Hi everyone, this is Carmen. I'm Christina. And this is Historias Unknown, a podcast where we talk about Latin American history. Sometimes it's horrible and deals with heavy topics like racism, corruption, and genocide. But more than that, it's also about resistance, power, and community. And today, um, it's going to be bad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As everyone knows, the last couple of episodes, Carmen went over Chilean President Salvador Allende and the coup that deposed him and he died. During this, one man rose to power, but no one really knew what was to come. Today, we're going to start this portion of our coverage uh, on Augusto Pinochet. And um, yeah, I mean, the same trigger warnings, really, but like more because there was a lot of uh, torture, violence and all that in this regime. Yeah. And we're also going to add again, we are not Pinochet apologists, we hate him. And I... As anyone in their right mind should. Yeah, the fact that this there is somewhere in the world that this man is, like, revered, it disgusts me. <laughs> yes, it is truly disgusting. And it really is. Embarrassing and sad for those people. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Um, something yeah. is deeply wrong with you. A hundred percent. And before I get into the official notes, like um, I read two books for this. Well, I'm like, co- like reading them together in tandem, I think is what people call it. Damn. Really just sections. I'm like finding the sections that like pertain mm-hmm. to the notes I want to talk about. I'm not reading them back to back because that's insane. <laughs> mm. um, so one is A Nation of Enemies, Chile Under Pinochet by Pabela Constable or Constable. I don't know. <laughs> and Arturo <laughs> Could be either one. Could be either one, yeah. Uh, and then the other one is The Pinochet File by Peter Corn. Oh! Cornbutch. That's who I talked about. Yes, yeah, yeah. Cornbla, I think. Okay, Cornbla. He has a bunch of books. And like what you said, like he... He's the reason we know a lot of this information. Yes, 100%. He's made it so accessible, like Carmen said yes, last yeah. a couple episodes ago. So those are the two books with a lot of this information. And there's a few stuff that's going to be the sources. But I wanted to mention the books because when I was looking for books to read on him, a lot of the reviews were like, this is biased. Um, they're like, I want an unbiased book on how this man like operated or like, and I'm like, I just don't know how you can be biased about a man that's killed this. It's like saying, I want a book that's good about Hitler. Like, please. <laughs> I was going to say an unbiased book about Hitler. And it's like, even if you just state the facts as it is, they're bad. So I don't know. Uh. <laughs> and that's what many books are already doing. And people are like, oh, this is like just saying all the bad things. It's like, well, yeah, bad because that's what he did. <laughs> Hello, Miss Ma'am or Mr. Sir. Uh, he was a dictator, a brutal dictator. Like, what do yes. you what do you think you're going to read? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. I believe this is the this is when um, Pedro Pascal's parents fled Chile. Oh, really? Because he's yeah, he's a refugee. They they were fleeing a dictatorship. I'm so sorry. I thought he was Mexican. <gasps> no, <laughs> I've never heard him speak in Spanish. Sorry, I've just been obsessed with him for a little bit. So, um, I I see about him all the time, but I don't really like. I've never watched anything he's in. I know he was oh. in Buffy, but that was so long ago, I wouldn't be able to place him back then. You know what I mean? And I think that's the only thing I've seen him in. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's in everything now, so. <laughs> you know why? It's because I didn't watch that. Wasn't he in The Last of Us or something yes, like that? Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. I didn't watch that because you keep giving me the wrong uh, login. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to look for the correct login and send it to you. <laughs> Heard that before. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Anyway, let's move past this, Carmen. (laughs) Sure. Let's get back to the topic at hand. 
Yes. So, yeah, one man rose to power during the, the coup um, of September 11, 1973. That man was Augusto Pinochet. When the coup took place, uh, many were celebrating, like Carmen said, in like, mm-hmm. what, uh, the first part, second part? I don't know. I think it was the last episode. Okay. Yeah. And there was a lot of Chileans that were relieved. That was the general, like, sense of everyone except, like, the the, the ones who were benefiting from, not even benefiting, but, like, finally living a good life because of what Allende was doing. Yeah. Yeah. They know they fell for the propaganda. A hundred percent. So the Supreme Court president congratulated the military junta. Conservative Catholic bishops offered prayers and thanksgivings. Upper middle class, the rich, the elite, they were cheering. Uh, yeah. Viva Chile, draping flags, like Carmen said, popping champagne bottles. I read one account of a Chilean woman who was walking when um, like everything was going down. She was crossing the street and she dropped to her knees and grabbed the arm of a foreigner and blurted out in broken English, we are free now. Do you understand? F-R-E-E. And it's like, no, they, but they, they didn't know. This is so sad. <laughs> yeah. Only the followers and uh, believers of Allende were mourning. And they expected at least some sympathy for a man who had been president, a man who had served his community, a man who had served in the military. And not only he was he was president for three years, but he had been in the public sector in the government for decades, decades. And there was none. Zero. Oh, my God. They were the only ones mourning Allende, obviously, in Allende's family. Mm -hmm. And then the only ones worried for what was to come. Like, yeah, for the rest of the people of Chile, they were, yeah, happy, relieved, celebrating. There was nothing to be afraid of, according to them. But of course, they hadn't experienced the former repression that Allende was already fighting the the commun- when they were trying to get rid of the Communist yeah. Party and then did, right? And a lot of people did not experience that firsthand. So some people already knew, like, it's going to be worse than that time. Yeah. So a lot of Chileans believed that the Junta, it was temporary. They did this to get rid of Allende. Then they were going to step down. It's never temporary, no. okay? Never. <laughs> yeah. So they believed that the junta was going to step down in maybe a year at most. And then there was going to be actual elections held because that's a democracy. (laughs) But what followed was a 17 year long dictatorship where thousands died. They were tortured, imprisoned and disappeared. (sighs) Oh, my God. Thousands. 17 years. And I'm like, I I don't know how you think someone who has the entitlement to overthrow a democratically elected government is going to uphold democracy. Like, please. Just like, let me bring this back up to Bukele again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Somebody who again and again and again and again undermines democracy. They're not going to uphold democracy because they have never upheld it. They have never respected democracy. They want to hold on to power. Yeah ridiculous very there was one general um who was a you know a participant of the coup and he himself said like we didn't know oh general lee my bad he was more than he was like an orchestrator of the okay mm-hmm. he was the one of the generals of the four branches okay so general lee and he after the coup and after everything he said he didn't know what monster they had just created like they had no idea and i'm just I'm going to keep repeating that because people yeah. have no idea. So the that monster, that was Augusto Pinochet. 
before we talk about the regime, the horrors that came with the regime, we had to talk about him, even though I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Augusto José Ramón Pinochet Ugarte was born in Valparaíso on the 25th of November, 1915. He came from a higher class family. His father was Augusto Pinochet Vera, and his mother was Avelina Ugarte Martínez. The father, he was a French immigrant, and the mother was of Basque heritage. And I only mention that because I think it's important to show that the elite... That he's a white Chilean. Or, yeah, or white. <laughs> Even as a child, he didn't stand out in school or his studies. He was described as an average child. He went to a primary and secondary school at the San Rafael Aristia Institute of Quillota. Then the French Father School of Valparaíso, and then after that, military school in Santiago. That was in 1931, the military school in Santiago. He was there for four years, studied military geography, graduated as a second lieutenant or alfares, alf, no, alferes, that's what it's called, in the infantry. And I'm not going to go through all his military career moves. There's a lot um, and it's boring. Of course, of course. Yeah, just know that he continued through the military, rose up the ranks, spent some time teaching a military school, you know, doing his job as a soldier. He was even part of the roundups um, of the original communist roundups. Yeah, when they were. Of course he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, no one knew how he felt about communism or Marxist or. Well, he was just doing his job, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the end of 1960, he was the commander of the Esmeralda Regiment. And because of his success as commander, he was promoted. He was then appointed to be the subdirector of the War Academy in 1963. <laughs> Then in 1968, he became chief of, chief of staff of the 2nd Army Division. And then at, by the end of the same year, he was the commander in chief of the 6th Division. So just again, rising up in mm-hmm. the ranks. 1971, he was promoted again. After the assassination of Edmundo Perez Sujovic, he was promoted again. This promotion basically gave him commanding rule of all the troops in Santiago. And he even led crackdowns again. against anti-Allende protests. One thing that's commonly said about him is that though he rose through the ranks in the military and he was a good soldier, he was like average otherwise. He didn't Mm. stand out in a crowd. He didn't speak with the same eloquence as uh, Salvador Allende. The charisma, it wasn't there. He was described as a superb soldier with extreme respect for his superiors, but he was terse. What's that? Which means brief and to the point. Oh, okay. I had to look it up. Um, cordial so like pleasant to talk to but again just like no not charming yeah no riz as the youth say yes yeah um and timid um again someone who was just there and reliable he kept to himself a lot and this is why no one knew just how anti-marxist anti-communist he was or how much he truly disliked allende yeah as carmen mentioned in the last episode by the summer of 1971 u.s intelligence had their eyes on pinochet as a potential military officer that would participate in the coup but it was just like a maybe it wasn't definitive um a chilean informant gave Pinochet's name to the CIA after attending a dinner party with him on August 5th, 1971, and he reported that Pinochet was mild, friendly, and narrow-gauged, a man who clearly enjoyed the feeling of being important, but he was not the type of person to lead any coup. Hmm. Hmm. That's how they had him, like, under their official files. And yeah, like, just like, it's just, like, no one had, no one had any idea about his what he really felt um when allende won pinochet later wrote about how he felt and he wrote the following 
With great bitterness, we men of arms watched the road Chile had taken, and we felt that desperation of impotence. As the soldiers sworn to protect the motherland, I felt inhibited from acting because the instigator of chaos was the very government to which I owed obedience. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. he was like, not happy, but like, according to him, there was something he could do about it. Yeah. Regardless, because he's in the military, they have to protect and serve the government, even if in his view, the government is chaotic yeah and wrong yeah by march 1972 the cia updated their little index cards of evils (laughs) (laughs) so just little cards they had with like people's info they moved pinochet from there might participate in a coup section to involved with coup preparations and then in different intelligence reports chilean officers painted a different picture they stated Pinochet was uncommitted and unreliable for coup operations, though they believed that if he was in favor, if he was to participate, he would want to be there on the ground, mm. close to events that were to take place. Then, in September 1972, another CIA informant told the CIA that Pinochet was having second thoughts about the overthrow of Allende and that if, if it were to happen... Pinochet firmly believed that Allende would have to be eliminated. There was no way to leave him alive. As coup plans moved along, Pinochet still wasn't at the top of the list at all. As Carmen emphasized in the last episode, the officers of each military branch all needed to be on board. That was the only way the coup was going to work. They all had to be working together, which is why the plotters were working to remove officers who were strong constitutionalists or Allende sympathizers. So that's why they removed Commander-in-Chief Carlos Prats. Mm-hmm. And the person they had in mind to replace him was General Manuel Torres, who was the third-ranking army general and the commander of the 5th Army Division. Not Pinochet, who was the second most senior officer in the army, clearly above this general. Yeah, um, that's, just, that's just how much he was overlooked by everyone. Prats resigned after there was a smear campaign against him by El Mercurio, which Carmen also has mentioned. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who recommended Pinochet as his replacement because, uh, yeah, he was still like trusted. They're like, yeah, he's still on our side. Yeah. He was so trusted by Pratt's that Pratt's personally went up to him and asked him to come up with a contingency plan if there was a coup because they could feel tensions brewing. Like they knew something was going to happen. They just didn't know when. Yikes. Yeah. And he himself went up to Pinochet and was like, can we count on you if the coup happens? Like we need to know who we can count on and if you can come up with a way, like some a plan in case it happens. And they asked him them like yeah. how much they had no idea. Ugh. At another point, Pinochet later recounted that Allende said about Pinochet that Pinochet was an old man who only thought of military manners, that he wasn't even capable of deceiving his own wife. Well, he was capable of deceiving everybody. He was. He was. And I'm just like, I'm just like Florida, how no one had any idea. That's like so scary. <laughs> he is what our mom would call a chinga bajito. Oh, my God. That is so true. And those are the ones you have to watch out for, the quiet ones sometimes. That is 100% true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. As we mentioned in the last episode, Pinochet didn't officially join the coup until just days before it happened. So Army Lieutenant General Sergio Arellano Stark visited him on September 8th, 1973. And Stark left frustrated because Pinochet would not commit on the 8th, which is like what? I think I read it was like the day before that he officially joined. Yeah. So then on September 9th, um, the next day. No, no, no. My bad. 
September 7th is when I think I messed the dates up. Oh, it might have been September 8th that that then someone else visited him. So anyway, the next day after uh, General Arellano Stark left all frustrated because Pinochet would not commit. Um, the next day, uh, General Air Force General Lee went to go see him at his daughter's birthday party. He interrupted that. And he told Pinochet, like, this is the last opportunity. This was on the 9th, then, I, I, I believe. Like, this is the last opportunity. Like, you need to say now or, like, or there's no chance for you to be, like, involved in this coup. Like, it's now or never. Mm-hmm. And then um, as they were having that conversation, another Admiral, Admiral Merino, arrived to mm-hmm. secure the men's support for the coup. And both Lee and Pinochet agreed then. This is when he like officially agreed. But even then, even at that moment, Lee had doubts that Pinochet would do it. <laughs> mm. um, and he thought to himself, like, well, if Pinochet doesn't join, he's going to be the first victim <laughs> of the coup. Damn. Ruthless. Yeah. On the day of the coup, as the Navy took over, you know, the ports, uh, advanced into Valparaíso and the mm-hmm. carabin- carabineros headed for Allende. And then, you know, he retreated into La Moneda when all that was taking place. Mm-hmm. They still had no idea in the beginning that Pinochet was part of this. Damn. So much so that when Ariel Dorfman, who was working for Allende at the time, and he was at La Moneda during the coup, when the phone rang and it was Pinochet on the other line, Ariel Dorfman was like, oh, just a moment. I'll go find him. I'll find him. And he said to himself, like, well, this is our man. This is our guy. This is Pinochet. Like... He's calling to help. Well, yeah, I I remember reading that Allende didn't... I forgot the time already, but it was... I think it was... It was in the morning of that probably like... I think it was like 9 or 10 a.m. when Allende realized that Pinochet was part of it. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'm assuming shortly after they arrived into La Moneda. Because he, he was somewhere else and then they retreated. He was in La Moneda already when he found out. Because I think he got there like at 7 something in the morning. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Something like that. Uh, yeah, but it was it was somewhere in the morning yeah. when they finally found out. <laughs> um, well, I guess as troops were advancing into La mm-hmm, Moneda. Mm-hmm. So, that makes sense, yeah. Or surrounding it. So, yeah, that's how much they had no idea that he was not their man. Amar. Yeah, it's just... It just it's insane to me like yeah so um when another general that was part of the coup vice admiral patricio carvajal told i and this people like oh we just want to talk come out we just want to talk like when they come yeah. to threaten you in the right. house to jump like, you no, we just want to <laughs> we just want to talk and yeah same thing um pinochet could be heard screaming like unconditional surrender no negotiation unconditional surrender uh, and this is when pinochet's true hatred for allende and everything allende stood for really came to light like wow he and I, that's why he did so well during the coup or whatever it's like he let out his like his pented up rage or something yeah on everyone like he took no well yeah like p- other generals were willing to have again the surrender and mm, and he's like leave no. the country death or nothing death or nothing yeah damn so when vice admiral carvajal offered for allende to be flown out of the country there's a now famous audio tape of general pinochet issuing instructions to his troops like via radio communications or whatever this was recorded he's heard laughing and swearing that plane will never land wow like yeah he can be flown out but that plane's gonna crash like he's gonna die that's how he was like he didn't care about any i mean it's just terrible and this was like a 
this what happened later on like this this was like i don't want to say foreshadowing but he was like when he said that plane would not land and this would actually happen to a bunch of Allende supporters yeah yeah i read about was it pratt's he was killed in washington one of the no that was um in 1976, that was a... It was someone else. I don't think it was Pratt. It was someone else. Okay. I can't remember who it was, but it was one of like the Allende supporters um, who I believe, if I'm remembering right, he was... I don't actually, I don't remember if he was there in La Moneda or not, but he was an Allende supporter and he died later under a mysterious... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was a, from a, a bombing? bombing? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then yeah. it was later tied to Pinochet. Yeah. Yeah. During Operation Condor, which mm. I will cover, but not this episode, because mm. there's a lot to this. Like, Damn. I'm sorry, but yeah. I've gone on the deep end. There's going to be a separate part on. I mentioned, you know, the forecasting, I guess, of the that plane will never land. Yeah. Because uh, later it's what will happen is the caravan of death, mm. which was all these helicopter flights and pushing out all these people into the sea um, akin to what Argentina was doing. Yeah. With the disappeared. Right. So I'm going to talk about the brutality of the detention centers and the caravan of death next episode, not in this one, because otherwise we'd be here for three hours, <laughs> which is not happening. <laughs> but um, yeah, this, this sentence when he said that plane will never land like that that's how horrible this regime was and he added pinochet could be heard saying like kill the bitch and you eliminate the litter like he really like saw these people's animals (laughs) wow after the successful overthrow of allende the military junta took over and you know they became in charge of chile and um the bloodshed of the day of the coup the 11th, it's still unknown. Mm-hmm. Nine days later after the coup, CA sources reported 4,000 deaths. But wow. by September 24th, the number was in between 2,000 and 10,000 civilian deaths. Wow. I wanted to look more into the civilian, what the civilian, I don't know how to say, experience was during the coup. But I didn't, other than reading that about a lot of workers were defending like areas of the country. I didn't because, yeah, and I really just I didn't look for more. Um, I just uh, focused on again, then his supporters in La Moneda and what they were going through. You know what? I should have done that for this episode. I just focused on Pinochet and the soldiers. Mm. Um, But this book, A Nation of Enemies, I love the way that it's sectioned off because Mm -hmm. when the first chapter is the war. So that it covers the coup, the day of the coup itself. Mm -hmm. The second section is the soldiers. And it talks about how the regime, the coup and the regime changed the military and how they had to now be doing all these horrible things. If they weren't doing these things, then they were subject to the same brutality they were inflicting on others. Mm -hmm. Then it has a chapter called The Dictator, which is the one on Pinochet himself. Then Army of the Shadows, which we're going to get into, I think not maybe next episode but dina was created to further what sub sub what is the word people use Mm. for submersive submersive oh uh submersive i do not know is that what you're saying like the the secret police that would yeah 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 get people arrest them and yeah so that chapter is called army of the shadows then there's one about how the laws change. That's called the law. A culture of fears. Another one. That one is full of pictures of uh, people 
police protests like it's and then there's one section called the rich so it was how the rich experience everything the other one is called the poor okay and so this one it it talks about their experience and and it interviewed a bunch of people then there's the children of the dictatorship like the way it's just sectioned off it's amazing because it kind of just goes in order yeah i love it it's an excellent book if anyone wants to further read it i do recommend it highly recommend it Oh, yeah. So the CIA sources reported 4,000 deaths. Oh, yeah, I read that. 2,000. Okay. The number was between 2,000 and 10,000 civilian deaths, but they officially 2,000 and 10,000. Yeah. What a discrepancy. Yeah. So, but the official amount that they admitted to was 244 civilian deaths. Ugh. Yeah. The military junta had a plan for each highest ranking official of each military branch to be in charge of Chile for one year. Then it would rotate so that not one person was in charge for too long and then like therefore prevent a, like a dictatorship, right? Oh, yeah. Good plan. To like still give off some sort of resemblance to a democracy. Yeah. Um, and that was the plan. It was to follow the order of seniority. So the first military official in charge by seniority was Augusto Pinochet. <laughs> Although if they if the junta could have chosen, uh, I think they they would have preferred to put general lee in charge Mm. is what they said like on record but they were gonna follow this order of seniority so that made Mm -hmm. pinochet the first one and he'd be the only one (laughs) (sighs) yep so in the six weeks following the coup according to uh, a report the military had massacred approximately 1500 civilians oh my god yeah of those 320 to 360 were uh, executed by firing squads in custody or in the middle of the street in front of everyone. Wow. More than 13,500 Chileans were rounded up through raids and mass arrests. And these were aimed at officials of the popular unity movement Mm -hmm. or government, Mm -hmm. a political activist labor unions, factory workers, and campesinos. And basically everyone that would have supported or did support Allende. Yeah. They were held at 20 detention camps scattered throughout Chile. But the CIA reported that only a few of those 20 were known to the public. The rest were secret where they were located. Okay. Only a few were known to the public. That's what you said? Yes. Yeah. Of those 20, the rest were a secret, um, Mm. which is illegal. (laughs) Right, right. Hold people in secret places and not tell them where they're where they're at, um, which kind of reminds me of somewhere else right now Mm, mm -hmm. in Salvador. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So two of the biggest and most infamous detention centers were sports stadiums. And we talked a little bit about one of them. uh, Yeah. So the National Stadium and then a smaller stadium in Chile or in Santiago, my bad. 7,612 prisoners were processed through the National Stadium, the bigger one, between September 11th and October 20th, 1973. Wow. Basically a month. Mm-hmm. Most officers and troops, they had eagerly participated in the coup and in the repression that followed, rounding up all these people, shooting them in plain sight. Like most people, most troop members, they were fine mm-hmm. with it. Oh, and then um, Pinochet and the regime were, you know, they had to get rid of the few senior officers who were left-leaning, sympathized with Allende, or did not want to do these horrible things that they were doing. 
Mm-hmm. So, Colonel Renato Cantua, Can, oh my God, Cantuarias, he was the commander of a mountain training school. On September 12, 1973, he was taken to the military academy uh, in Santiago, or I don't know where, but he was taken because he was uh, an Allende sympathizer and he died exactly one week later and no one knew what happened to him until reports were released later, years later. It turns out that uh, Colonel Cantuarias Cantuarias, that's a hard name to say. <laughs> Cantuarias, he was forced to shoot himself after he refused the order to bomb a copper mine full of copper mine workers. Oh my God. Where uh, one of Ayanda's cousins worked. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I cannot. I cannot. I, like, he did the right thing. He refused to do this, but it, yeah, he paid with his life for it. Like, Nobody should ever have to be in that position, obviously. Like, that should go without saying, but yeah, it happens and it happens, you know, like awful. Yeah. Another senior officer, Major Ivan Lavandero, he was persuaded to release a group of prisoners from Uruguay by the Swedish ambassador, Harold Edelstam, who had actually helped hundreds of people seek asylum during the dictatorship. Wow. <laughs> So when a colonel found out what Major Lavandero did, let these people go, he ordered him to immediately be executed by firing squad, like on the spot in the stadium. Oh my God. This was all in the stadium um, at the one of the detention centers. Within days of the coup, left-leaning officers were all arrested, harshly interrogated, and then tried for treason. Anyone left was demoted or killed. Enlisted personnel were taught to blindly trust their senior officers who fed them lies about communists, um, trying to destroy the Chilean way of life. They were taught to hate them, to not see them as people. And that way, the mistreatment and abuse that would follow, it was easy to do. It was justified. Justified Mm -hmm. and yeah, and like there was no problem doing it. They didn't see these people as people. One former ex-captain, Patricio Carbacho, said that they were taught to trust senior officers not to mistrust any like orders given, you know, by them. And then there was a, a culture of anxiety created and a culture of mistrust among everyone. They created a desire for them to go out and kill those animals, you quote on animals, because, you know, obviously they're not. <laughs> yeah. And this is how the formerly respected military that used to respect civilian leadership and people uh, then, you know, shifted into what it became. Yeah. And if they didn't do this, if they weren't part of this, then they were themselves were traitors. And that was a, that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. That's how that's why they, you know, killed uh, Colonel Renato Cantuarias and Major Ivan Lavandero in the ways that they did in such public. Dis- it was like a display. Teach everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was going to happen if they didn't do it? Like, this is what happens when you don't follow your orders. Yeah. And this propaganda plan within the military itself to transform the military into an instrument of ideological warfare one that was united by hatred fear and conspiracy oh my god those are that's a quote from a nation of enemies yeah it's it's such a thing that can be applied everywhere yeah to the right wing here (laughs) extreme yeah yeah and this had a name it was called plan z and there was never, there's no official records, but there's no doubt that it existed because, like, of everything that happened. Mm. <laughs> so any officer who seemed hesitant to, like, snitch out a potential leftist, a potential leftist sympathizer, was then suspected and accused of being one himself. And then they were subject to that same abuse. 
and torture. And the killings of Major Lavandero and Colonel Cantuarias sent very clear messages to the rest of the troops. If you don't do this, then this will happen to you, right? And so uh, the officers that were rounded up as part of this, um, that were rounded up as leftist sympathizers or like leftists themselves, they were rounded up and dealt in the caravan of death that was orchestrated by Arellano Stark. That's the person, but I don't remember his rank. Hmm. I think it was General Arellano Stark. I don't remember. He's the one who tried to talk Pinochet the first time. Mm-hmm. And then left off frustrated. I think that was him. I remember the start of General um, last name, but I don't remember what he was. I don't remember the exact rank. But yeah, he was the one that went to talk to Pinochet and then generally got there and talked both That's of them what, into yeah. agreement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he was the orchestrator of the Caravan of Death, which was horrible. And Stark also, was the orchestrator? Uh-huh. Yeah. God, okay. And also, um, so I'm not going to get into the caravan of death now or the horrors of the detention camps. That's going to be next episode. Otherwise, this would be super long. It was hard to figure out where to cut this off because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now I'm like, it feels too short. But no, I guess it wasn't that short. Oh, so we're done? Yeah, this is where oh. I'm leaving this off um, <laughs> because, yeah, again, I wasn't going to get into the caravan of death or the torture at the camps. But I mean, I think if people know something about Chile, they might know the story of Victor Victor Haras, who mm-hmm. was at one of the stadiums at the detention centers yeah. and tortured there um, for his like uplifting, inspirational songs and more, obviously. But um, yeah, that's just like one example of what happened at the stadiums. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I will get into that next episode. And that's going to be horrible. <laughs> mm, well, let's prepare ourselves. Mentally, yeah. Yeah. Although I'm not sure if we'll be able to record again before I leave for us to release. Okay. I just love to write my notes. (laughs) Mm, Well, uh, I guess it's up to you and when you finish them then. Or if you finish them by Wednesday. I think I will. Okay. Mm. Um, Yeah. So yeah, that uh, brings us to the end of this episode. All right. Anything else to add? No, I'm just... um, Keep being horrified, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that this one was too awful. I know we're going to get into more details on the next episode. The, yeah. yeah. But it's just just a shame, you know, just <laughs> awful, awful stuff. Um, Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we hope that this was one less. Oh, wait. Let's um give a thank you to everyone who sent us messages and commented. Oh, yeah. I also wanted to uh, mention a review, the review that you sent me. And then I went to go look at it on Apple Podcasts because we have a new review. Thank I you so you much. We love. I thought you sent it to me. Whatever. We saw it. <laughs> it's the point. <laughs> it doesn't matter who sent it to who, I guess. I just <laughs> don't remember sending it. <laughs> Pretty sure you sent it to me, but again, it doesn't matter. Oh, here it is from early February from Iggs, Iggs Squared. Thank you so much for the lovely review. They said, Historias Unknown is now one of my favorite history podcasts. I have listened to several historical podcasts and your manner of telling stories is entertaining. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, and then the other people who uh, sent us messages and commented on the last episode about our need for validation. <laughs> <laughs> they really listen to us i know i know seriously thank you because um again yeah I'm, I'm reading two books at the same time for this <laughs> <laughs> and i read a book <laughs> <laughs> um okay and 
uh, yeah, we hope that this was uh, one less historia. No, do you say that or do I say it? We already said it, but I guess you have to say it again because then we kept talking about the reviews again. Thank you, everybody, for the reviews. Recommend us, you know, someone that might enjoy listening to Latin American history. And we hope this is one less historia unknown for you. Bye, Bye. everyone.